2: Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. I'm Adam Best here on Wednesday, as always with Sterling Holmes. How you doing, Sterling? I'm doing great. If you can tell, I am not at my house. I am in a—I
0: don't know—slightly larger than a closet at the radio station. Actually, if you listen to Sports Radio 810. It's where Briscoe's studio is at. So if you see a Suns jersey, that's him. Beard's jersey, that's the Boston one. I'm in a room full of jerseys. Besides that, I'm doing fantastic.
2: All the cities that the Chiefs are going to defeat over the course of the season, right? Oh, Denver's right there. So yeah, we're golden. There you go. So the intro song this week was Kendrick Lamar's Humble. And the reason I chose that was uh, during the summer, And this has been going on for like 17 years or something. The Chargers are the annual NFL media's darling. And every year they prematurely crown these guys as the new it team. And uh, the Chiefs humbled them. The Chiefs told them to sit down. And what we saw is that great teams can win games ugly, but merely good teams Merely good teams find a way to play pretty and still lose. And until they, me—I mean, – don't get me wrong. Very good team. Very good quarterback. But until they actually beat the Chiefs and win the AFC West, I think all the hype is, is a little out of control. And uh, we're going to pull a Dennis Green quote here because I said – I think he summed it up perfectly. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. <laughs> we did. We actually did not let them off the hook. That's the good part. You um, had to finish that right there. Come on. You can't say we are who they thought they were and not finish it with, well, we let them off the hook. I know. It was a little bit of selective editing. Uh, I've got a quick question for you before we dive in that I just, as kind of Dante Hall's official hype man, and, and like he's one of my favorite Chiefs who, who ever played. Uh, Tyree kill said something on Twitter the other day that really bugged me. Uh, I, well, I don't want to say really bugged me, but it got under my skin a little bit. And he said that, that happy birthday to the second greatest return man in Kansas city chiefs history, taking a little shot at Dante hall, having a little fun with him. But I, I don't know if everyone remembers Dante hall or is old enough to remember, remember Dante hall, but what he did back, I think it was 2003. He had seven, kick or punt touchdown returns in a 10 game span. The chiefs were 13 and 0. Uh, he was on letterman. He was a legitimate MVP candidate as a return guy. That is just unprecedented. Tyreek, you are the best receiver to ever put on a chief's uniform, the most talented, at least you're perhaps along with Randy Moss, the greatest deep threat, whoever played the game, but you are not, you are not the best return guy the Chiefs have ever had. That's Dante Hall. Sterling, what's your take on this? First off, Dante
0: Hall was one of the main reasons I got into becoming an NFL and Chiefs fan. My first NFL game, Kansas City Mad took me as we're getting to our seats cuz you all know how long it takes to get into the stadium. We're getting into our seats and the kickoff's half uh, it's happening and Dante Hall takes it for a touchdown. Well, me being however old I was, is sitting here going is this what football is just Dante Hall being a human joystick back there returning every ball for a touchdown so it really got me into the NFL and especially into cheap so if I am a soft spot for any NFL player Jay Hall is that guy I will also say this does not bother me Tyree Kill for for multiple reasons has come out and tried to boost his podcast boost his stature He's played very well this season, so you can't argue that it's taken away from what he's doing on the field. But I think most of it was a joke. I think a lot of it was him having fun at Dante Hall's expense. There's way more reason to be mad at players. Ty Hill, from some of the things he said, post his tenure in Kansas City. I just can't get upset about this one. I think he knows deep down he's number two at best as far as the return man. Hell, a lot of his time here, he was not the return man. Injury concerns or not, if you are that good, they're going to put you back there. Dante Hall is always going to be number one when it comes to returning in Kansas City Chiefs history.
2: That's right.
0: Let's also give a shout out to the sponsor of the Arrowhead Addict Podcast, which is KC Beer Company. We talk about it every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday. There's a reason why. It's the best beer you will ever have. Frankly, just because we don't talk about it, you should have it on the Mondays and the Fridays and the Saturdays when we don't have a show. It is that good. I could not recommend Casey Beer Company more. The Hefeweizen is outstanding. The Kolsch might be my favorite. Uh, the Dunkel, the most popular. If you have not tried it and you live in Kansas City, come on. What are you doing? Again, Casey Beer Co., Loyal sponsors, every time you guys take a picture, tag Arrowhead Attic Podcast. We really, really appreciate that. Again, Casey Beer Company, it is fucking delicious. Adam, let's get into some of the awards from week two. Let's start with the elementary, my dear Watson award.
2: Elementary, my dear Watson. Yeah, fun fact here I believe neither Benedict Cumberbatch nor Robert Downey Jr. ever uttered this famous quote. So I had to go with like the the super super old school Sherlock Holmes, which is uh, Basil Rathbone. What a name, right? (laughs) Uh, But this award, of course, goes to the two Watsons, Jalen and Justin, who made the, I mean, pretty much the game winning plays against the Los Angeles Chargers about a week ago. Yeah, Uh, it was just incredible, man.
0: I mean, Adam, this was wild. These two guys, no one expected them to do much, and they were the reason the Chiefs beat the Chargers. You can't make this up. This is a movie storyline right here.
2: Yeah, having the same name, both of these guys on the roster bubble, Justin, who, who went to an Ivy League school and wasn't really a heralded you know, college prospect or anything, despite being a great athlete, he was buried on that excellent Bucks depth chart, if you remember, behind Godwin and Evans and Antonio Brown's crazy ass and, and a few other guys. And, and Chaelin was flipping burgers at Wendy's. So you have to give a huge shout out to their stick-to-itiveness. These guys uh, showed perseverance and made the team and, and made the plays. And I think we, this is not the last we're going to hear of either guy.
0: No, 100% agreed. What they've done in such a short time, they're having to get thrown in here for injuries and for other related issues. For example, Jalen Watson was not supposed to be a major part of this season. He was drafted in the seventh round. Trent McDuffie, the first-round cornerback, looked the part in 21 snaps week one, and then he goes down with injury. A lot of us thought, myself included, Joshua Williams the fourth round corner was going to get the first crack at it right Yep. no 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 not him Jalen Watson good for him for going up the depth chart and answering the call he was the what AFC defensive player of the week according to the NFL which is just phenomenal as a seventh round rookie good for him and then Justin Watson you mentioned it buried behind guys like Scotty Miller even down in tampa bay gets an opportunity and and it wasn't just a easy catch sure Holmes put it in a great spot but think of that you're going full speed into the end zone fairly draped by cb1 on the chargers and you still come down with the ball good for him justin watson here's to the watsons if i'm sherlock holmes come on my name's close enough you are my dear you're you're my dear watson okay the next award is the Nope Award. Nope. Hell no. no.
2: Have you seen that crazy movie yet? No. What is it? Uh, it's a Jordan Peele sci-fi horror. I, I don't even know how to explain it. I, I'm sure people are going to try to explain it better than I am in the comments. But this goes to, uh, you know, the Chargers really thought they were going to win that game. And Chris Jones said Nope. He hasn't – you know, he wasn't really getting his in the first half against Zion Johnson, who uh, by many accounts is the best guard in this rookie class and one of the best guards to come along in any recent draft class. So the Chiefs tinker with their defensive line a little bit. And in the second half, he gets gets two sacks. He's all over the place. He's pumping up the crowd and totally transformed, in my opinion – a Chiefs defense that Herbert and Mike Williams were sort of having their way with during the first half. Yeah. Chris
0: Jones is very impressive for a multitude of reasons. And one of them was late in the game, taking it over. He is one of the few interior defensive players who can take over a game like that. Aaron Donald's obviously one, I think DeForest Buckner, you can make a case for Fletcher Cox for the Eagles, but Chris Jones took over that second half i also want to point out i do think the coaching staff did a great job he was struggling against the rookie center for the chargers he was stonewalling chris jones they moved chris jones over one spot and he was just destroying uh the guard i mean just it looked like it was just going through through paper right there they could not stop chris jones once they switched him over that was a good coaching decision by spags in that second half but you're right, and PFF backs us up. I know we, we've been ripping on PFF for a lot of different situations. I think some of their stuff is good. Again, take this with a grain of salt. If we're going to talk about the Mahomes situation, you can also probably take this with a grain of salt. They have Chris Jones listed as the number one interior defense alignment, according to PFF. That's above Aaron Donald. That's above Fletcher Cox. That's above anyone on the interior. So Chris Jones, there you go. He is a game-changer
2: you know PFF doesn't get quarterbacks right. We we talked about this last week, but they do a lot of other they grade a lot of other positions well. And I think they have it exactly right with Chris Jones. I told you last week top 7 defensive player in the NFL. If it wasn't for Micah Parsons right now, I think he might be the the leading candidate for defensive player of the year early. Of course, Micah Parsons might be lawrence taylor reincarnated right so i I think he's gonna have to settle for runner up for now but nobody gets arrowhead going like chris jones that's one of the things i personally love about chris jones he's like a big kid out there uh and through two weeks i would i would call him team mvp personally i'd give that to chris jones
0: yeah, I, I I couldn't disagree with that. I, th- I think Chris Jones has been the biggest impact on the defense, and this is a defense who looks much improved. Let's go to the next award, the I'm the Captain Now Award. Look at me, sure. Look at me, sure. I'm the Captain Now. <laughs> Love that one. Uh, this quote from Captain Phillips, this award goes to George Carloftis. Rookie leads all rookies in QB pressures and is among the league leaders. George Karloftis, if you've listened to me at all, this is the reason why I said the Chiefs should draft him. I have mentioned it before and I will say it again. As much as the Chiefs have done done right in developments, especially with the cornerbacks, with basically any other position, they've struggled developing edge guys. So taking a more polished player round one made the most sense. The guy who already has a great motor, a guy who can play week one, step in, and you can count on, makes more sense than taking Boye Mafe, right? So what did they do? They went with the more polished player, and he's already producing. Putting that guy next to Chris Jones, or at least on the same line with Chris Jones, good luck. So George Karloftis, holy crap, he looks the part.
2: Yeah, he's tied in, in uh, rookie pressures with Aiden Hutchinson, the number two pick who went to the Lions from Michigan. If you recall, there were three edges who went in the top five. So being that dominant from a pressure standpoint and standing out amongst this rookie class, which also included Jermaine Johnson, who I think a lot of Chiefs fans wanted the Chiefs to draft instead of George Karloftis. It's super early but it's looking fortuitous that the Chiefs went down, you know, the Carter Loftus route. And he he kind of – the reason why he's sort of almost a quasi-captain now is he has transformed this defense, which was among the worst in the league at getting to the quarterback last year. Uh, I think they were like 29th or something like that. He carries himself like a savvy veteran. He never takes plays off. He really has – uh, just given this defense a huge boost that I think is helping Chris Jones out, is helping Frank Clark out, is helping Derek Noddy and Carlos Dunlap and everybody on the entire defensive line is getting a boost from his presence.
0: Yeah, and I always thought it was a little interesting where folks kept talking about how, well, what's his ceiling? Dude's younger than a lot of the guys that came out at the same position as him. Sure, he's probably not going to be Aiden Hutchinson. There's other couple guys you could point at. Uh, What's it, Kevon Thibodeau? He's probably going to have the upside of those guys, but acting like he wasn't going to grow, to me, I always thought was a little asinine. He has a very high floor, but I also think the ceiling is very high as well. George Karloftis was looking to be a fantastic pick.
2: He's from Greece. He played water polo. He hasn't been playing football that long. So to limit somebody who's new to the game of football, to limit their ceiling just because he isn't a super bendy athlete like Von Miller, I just thought that was always unfair. And he's proving the skeptics wrong so far.
0: Yeah, 100%. Let's get into the final award, the Mighty Mouse Award.
2: Here I come to save the day that means that mighty mouse is on the way uh
0: who would have thought mighty mouse award going to clyde edwards a
2: yeah that was i think unquestionably one of the best performances of his career 118 all-purpose yards and a robust uh 9.3 yards per carry he continues to show improved burst, improved vision. He had a career long run of 52 yards. And you notice he really secured the rock there. Last year, he, uh, he fumbled, which caused the Chiefs to lose to the Ravens in a pivotal early game. And he wasn't going to make that same mistake twice. Really showed the presence of mind. I know some people are clowning on him about it, but I think it was the right thing to do. I also think, you know, not running out of bounds Showed another <laughs> bit of good presence. He, he knew he, There you go. He fantasy you know fantasy players may not like it, but um, yeah, I, I think Ceh is a different guy this season. Uh, do you agree with that?
0: Oh yeah, I, I've mentioned it before, and I'll say it again. Now that he is fully healthy with a full offseason, full OTAs under his belt, he was going to get better. We saw what he did towards the end of last year before the collarbone injury when he was healthy, he looked good again, right? He did. He was coming back from the gallbladder surgery, didn't have a full off season, was struggling to get back to full physical weight, whether that's you know his legs full strength, this, that, and the other. He wasn't healthy. When he got healthy, he looked good, then got hurt again. Well, now he's healthy, and he looks outstanding. The vision is there. He's not going to be the fastest guy. We know this. You know, Isaiah Pacheco, uh, Jerick McKinnon, they're faster than CEH is. But CEH has shown great contact balance. The vision is there. And if he's going to hold the football like that, no one's making fun of him. I will take that over Shady McCoy any day of the week. No loaf of bread. He knows the situation. He is not going to fumble. Not only that, you you mentioned he got down in bounds. We saw a team this same week lose off a similar situation of a guy scoring a touchdown there. Yeah. Nick Chubb, I know the Chiefs aren't the Browns, but no one expected the Jets with Joe Flacco against any team to come back from something like that. It can happen. And Clyde took all of the equation out of it when he
2: went down inbounds right there. The numbers are backing up his performance, too. The only running backs with more expected points added. I did a double take when I saw this stat than CEH so far are DeAndre Swift and Aaron Jones. That's the kind of running back the Chiefs need. Someone who is an efficient rusher, who shows uh, great passing game chops. And if this continues, they may have found one. Better late than never. And let's not forget the highlight of the night, for me at least, was CEH absolutely trucking Derwin Jackson. Like some kid named I thoroughly enjoyed
0: that. Yeah, that was outstanding. I mean, he literally just went all over, just just crushed him. And he does have that contact balance that I I think we probably won't see from from like a Jerick McKinnon, right? And that's what Ceh brings is the versatility, low center of gravity.
2: Right? He's got that well, low center of gravity. Right? That's why it's the
0: Mighty Mouse Award, baby. It's yeah. why he won this. And not just that, they're using him in a role that suits him best. They're starting to add him into the passing game. And that really is big for his development. If he wasn't drafted in the first round, again, I'll always say any first-round running back is a bad choice. That's that's a bad pick. And we're starting to see more and more teams aren't doing that, right? Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, we're seeing why you don't do that. But CEH has played well. Take the draft out of it. It's not his fault he was drafted in the first round. You blame the Chiefs for that. But he is performing. He is looking to be uh, an actual valuable asset to this Chiefs offense?
2: Yeah, positional value, we know now that a running back should not be taken in the first round. And I think the Chiefs were maybe one of the last teams who are going to make that mistake. You never know in the NFL. There's a lot of dummies out there. But one of the worries has been if CEH is not actually good, it's called the sunk cost fallacy or the IKEA effect. If you make something And you're more attached to it. Right. So the worry is that they were to keep trotting this guy out and he was going to be bad. And he kind of has been bad at times. And it looks like that was because he hasn't had a clean bill of health. And now that he's healthy and running behind one of the best uh, offensive lines in the NFL, particularly from a run blocking standpoint, he looks like a different guy. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm digging it so far. Let's just hope he can keep it up
0: as a golfer for years. I've been
2: hearing PXG say
0: nobody makes golf clubs like they do period. You know what? They're right. I went in for a fitting and saw for myself, went in to swing the PXG black ops driver. And let me be honest. I was skeptical. Again, I I loved my old driver. I had a, uh, another very popular big name brand. I love my driver. But they brought me in just to to put it to the test. The PXG driver, it won. It was, I don't know, 7 to 10 yards longer. The dispersion was better. And the fitting experience was legitimately phenomenal. You know, I went in being a skeptic, and I came out being a true believer. It feels like a premium club in your hand, and not just that. The, the ability of, of the actual fitting process blew me away. We went from extra stiff to regular stiff shaft. We tried out different weights on the shaft. We tried different shafts in general. Um, we, we were messing with the weights in the driver going from a ten and a half degree driver down to a nine as someone who has a high launch angle, who gets a lot of loft and height on their ball. I needed something that was a little lower, so we moved the weights to the front of the club. It it was such a wonderful experience. I mean, they analyze every little bit of information to get the perfect fitting just for you. Um, again, I was blown away by the pxg black ops driver pxg made me a believer they'll do the same for every golfer in kansas city visit pxg.com slash arrowhead to schedule your fitting at pxg kansas city Uh, that is 7517 west 119th street in overland park get fitted for any club and you'll get a dozen golf balls free that's pxg.com slash arrowhead to schedule your fitting pxg.com slash arrowhead Limit one dozen golf balls per person. Promotion ends June 30th. Other terms and conditions may apply. See store for details. Let's move on to Hater of the Week. Adam, what do you got for me?
2: Speaking of Shady, you mentioned him earlier. You gave us a little teaser. LaShawn McCoy, I guess he's still feeling shady from getting benched by the Chiefs, said this on FS1. If Josh Allen played for the Chiefs with Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, and Andy Reid, do you think they win a championship? Then he and Emmanuel Ocho went on to say Mahomes would not be as good if he played for the Bills. The implication during the whole segment was that Allen was better and, and Ocho even said as much on his Twitter. Um, I guess all I have to say is, we said this last week, but stop doing this. Stop comparing them two. Uh, they both can be good, but but but, 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 but if you're going to say one is better, I think you have to go with Mahomes, who has accomplished more. I think every statistical and and team category would point to Patrick Mahomes having the better career this far. And if you want to take some stuff away from Patrick Mahomes for the talent he plays with, it's not like Josh Allen is playing with a bunch of bums. I mean, Stephon Diggs had three touchdowns Monday. Gabriel Davis had four touchdowns in the AFC championship. Uh, Every quarterback to some extent is a byproduct of their environment. They've got a good coach too. So I think both of them can be good. Again, it's the same old thing with the media obsessing over this, this competition and occasionally taking what I think amount to cheap shots at Mahomes who we've seen now that he doesn't have Tyreek is not just a byproduct of of the system, he is indeed a generational
0: talent. I mean, 98% of what Ocho says should be on ESPN 8, the Ocho, because it's just a bunch of nonsense. I can't take anything he says seriously. It's a hot take factory. And again, I get frustrated with this because I don't want to take anything away from Josh Allen. He's so talented and so good in his own right. They're right. different. They're different quarterbacks. Sure, the, the similar play style is because they have strong arms. But they're different. Mahomes is better at improvising right he's better at improvising he extends plays with his legs not necessarily looking to run while Josh Allen improvises in a different way when he tucks and runs he is better than Mahomes in that aspect but Mahomes is better keeping his eyes downfield and I'd probably say accuracy to an extent right like they're different quarterbacks enjoy them. Justin Herbert's a different quarterback. They all have strong arms. Just because you have a strong arm and can throw a great deep ball doesn't mean you're all the same. I, I don't know if Josh Allen wins a Super Bowl if he was in Kansas City. And guess what? It doesn't matter because Mahomes did. That's what matters. It's not like we're talking about, well, would Mahomes win a Super Bowl if he's in Buffalo? Sure, they might. And guess what? Buffalo has not won yet. Won yet. There, there's your take. Like, would it be different if Mahomes was on the Buffalo Bills? Would they have won one? There you go. It can be done any matter of ways. It's just frustrating because I don't want to take away what is so enjoyable from these two quarterbacks. They're different. And guess what? I love watching both of them. The NFL is in great hands. And by the way, I think Lamar Jackson gets hated on a lot as well. I know this wasn't in here, but something I've noticed, Lamar Jackson is still a very good quarterback. I know their team lost to Miami, and Tua came just out of nowhere, right? The the defense of the Ravens just fell apart. But Lamar Jackson's back. He won an MVP as well. He consistently takes the Ravens to the playoffs. He's also a different quarterback. He's not in the same tier as as Allen and Mahomes because they're so different play styles. But just because someone's different, because they play a different style doesn't mean they're bad or one guy's better than the other. Just sit back and enjoy them.
2: Yeah, it's different flavors, different vibes. Lamar Jackson might be my number three and he's just a special dude. He took an 80 yard rushing touchdown to the house on Sunday and there's just nobody quite like him. And you can say the same thing about Allen and Mahomes. who are both fairly big guys with rocket arms who like to play out of structure, but outside of that, they're very different guys. And you're right. We have no clue what Mahomes would do in Buffalo just like we don't know if Josh Allen would have ever fixed his accuracy issue in Kansas City. Now, Andy Reid is the quarterback whisperer. You have to think that he would have worked some magic and had a good time with a project like Josh Allen, but we just don't know. And we just don't know what kind of connection Patrick Mahomes would have in Buffalo. He and Kelsey have been so special. So I guess it's kind of fun to speculate, but to definitively say that Allen would be doing better in Kansas City or Mahomes would be doing worse in Buffalo. Nobody knows that.
0: Come on. Yeah. Yeah. And frankly, football is way more fun. We can sit back, relax, and watch both until they play each other. And then obviously I'm a uh, I'm I'm Mahomes over anyone. Let's get into a segment I very much enjoy, and that is Hot Take Kingdom. So with Hot Take Kingdom, what we're gonna do here is you got a sword?
2: I've got a sword. Is it a a, a machete? You know, it, it's like a cheap plastic Lord of the Rings. I'm sorry, environment. I had to buy it. Uh, it's, you know, it's it's the kingdom. You got to, kings have swords. And I felt a little funny if I was going to rock a crown, you know? So I, I brought up the sword. Silver <laughs> so hot take kingdom, not only will Adam
0: have a sword, he's also either going to crown or decline whatever we come on this hot take. All right, Adam, what's the hot take of the week?
2: Here it is. By the end of the year, Sky Moore will be the best Chiefs wide receiver. Let me break this down for you, and then you can tear it apart. All right? So, McCole Hardman and MVS, they're fast. They can lift the lid. They can stretch the field. They can, they can do some of the gimmicky stuff. They do not possess what I would call technical route running savvy. They do not have a complete route tree that they've demonstrated to this point in their career. Uh, They don't have that innate presence that our next guy, Juju Smith-Schuster, he has an amazing feel for the game. He is uh, a good route runner and he's a big physical player, but he can't separate he, he's, he's not that fast. He's not that athletic. I don't know if it's injuries or that's just his profile, but he's almost exclusively in kind of a short to intermediate zone beater, right? Zone buster. And I, I don't think it was immediately clear against the Cardinals. They have a lousy secondary, but the chiefs, they missed Tyree kill because Tyree kill was a total package. He could stress the field. He could run every route you want. And, and I think that was clear against the chargers. I think NBS, And, uh, Juju combined for like barely 20 yards. So the reason why Justin Watson and Sky Moore have found success in despite not having much playing time is I think they're plus athletes who also are skilled technicians when it comes to the art of playing wide receiver. Um, so in, in my opinion, Andy Reid needs to get over his issues with with rookie receivers. Uh, it's the year 2022. Guys come in the NFL and, and start tearing it up immediately all the time. We've seen this uh, most recently with Drake London, Garrett Wilson. There's no excuse for playing your young stud. And then every year there's a rookie without that kind of draft capital who their team doesn't play into the second half. And then that, that rookie receiver just lights up the league, A.J. Brown. I'm on I'm on Ross St. Brown, so I think this year Sky Moore can be that guy who comes in in the last eight or nine games, maybe after the Chiefs buy, maybe after the Chiefs have given some some veteran deference a chance, and I just think he's the most complete, naturally gifted roster. I mean, uh, receiver on the Chiefs roster, he kind of has a bigger. Deontay Johnson vibe and Deontay Johnson's a guy that can get open at a phone booth. And I think Sky Moore has that kind of elusiveness and that kind of get off at the line of scrimmage. He's got great hands. Uh, I I think he has a chance to be the total package for the Chiefs. So I do like what you're saying. It's just
0: not going to happen this year. it's it's still going to be Juju Smith-Schuster for me. If you say he ends up better than McCall Hardman this year, if you say he's better than MVS this year, I could buy that. I don't think it's going to be better than Juju. Juju has the experience, which you, you touched on, but I think you're undervaluing what that means, especially in zone coverage. We saw a lot of that on Sunday from veteran players who know when to slow their route down to make sure on those slants, for example, you find the soft spot. That takes time. He's not played Sky Moore at a large D1 school in college, right? He's not had the competition that he's gone up against. I love the pick. Big fan of Sky Moore. And you are correct. He is the best route runner probably on this team. I don't know if he's better than Juju, but those guys, they're about one and two. But it comes down to having the experience. I would like to see him get more experience, right? But he doesn't do the same things as MVS. He's only 5'10". MVS is 6'4", right? If you wanted Sky Moore to take some playing time away from Hardman, I, I could make that case, and I wouldn't be opposed to it. But as far as having MVS and Juju Smith-Schuster, they're pretty much locked in for multiple reasons. Juju is the zone beater. He is the intermediate route guy. It's going to take time for Sky Moore to learn how, when quarterbacks are in, uh, improvising, where to go. And yeah, that comes to playing time. It also comes with OTAs, off season, training camp, all of that. I just don't think Sky Moore is going to be that guy this year. I'm very much enthused to see where he his career takes off and what he does in Kansas City over the next few seasons. I just don't think that happens this year. This year for me, it's still Juju number one. Sky Moore might be able to become number two.
2: I think your best arguments are that uh, Juju, we're seeing a. Across the league, a trend of these, these kind of shell defenses that take away—they're engineered to take away explosive plays—and that's why Cooper Cup and on St. Brown and guy Amon Ross St. Brown and guys like that are dominating. And Juju Smith-Schuster might not be quite as dynamic as those guys, but I think he is a an ideal power slot. He's an ideal power slot, and I. Do take into account that Sky Moore didn't play most of the time against elite competition in college. Uh, that being said, he is he is kind of deceptively lanky for his size. He's got kind of long arms, he has the biggest hands of any receiver in this rookie class, which is kind of freaky. Johnny Binshe in size hands. I mean, I, it's, five, I 10. it's just and he's he's got bigger hands than Drake London and Traylon Burks. It's crazy. But it's true. And I, I just think the guy is the total package. I definitely don't think that McColl Hardman should be keeping him off the field. And the other thing is, we have to think the Chiefs are a, are a not a one-year or two-year project. We're a 10-year project. And Juju isn't under contract next year. MVS's contract, there's a lot of flexibility there. This is a contract year for Nicole Hardman. I think we need sooner than later to develop sky more. So two snaps, you know, having him trot out there during kneel down time and, and, and to return punts, that is just not enough. We need to see, we need to start integrating sky more because I do think given the trends of rookie receivers catching on quicker in these last three or four years, there is a chance that none of these other guys have it. Also, these other guys have had some, some kind of checkered injury histories especially juju so if an injury befalls the chiefs and he is forced into action we might need him to be that guy
0: yeah i'm with you with the injury concerns in the past i'm with you when you cut when it comes to the seemingly new tradition phenomenon of rookie wide receivers making a massive impact the one thing i actually loved was your comparison uh, comparison to deontay johnson I'm a massive fan of Deontay Johnson, and if you want some of the the preseason comp numbers or draft combine numbers, uh, here you go. Both had prospect grades of 6.2. Sky Moore was Western Michigan, Deontay Johnson Toledo, so it's not like Toledo was his powerhouse in college. Both are 5'10". Surprisingly, Sky Moore's 40-yard dash was a 4-4-1. Deontay Johnson was a 4-5-3. And almost every other number, Sky Moore just barely inches out Deontay Johnson. Now, I'm a massive Deontay Johnson fan. I think he's faster than that 4-3 indicates. If it's it's not just direct speed, he's very, very quick, right? That's what really separates Deontay Johnson. But Sky Moore has the hands. I don't think he's going to drop as many balls as Deontay Johnson has. Johnson's been... A guy, is even against the Chiefs in that playoff game, where you're like, he's open, but catch the damn ball. I don't think Sky Moore is going to have those issues. I do think Sky Moore is a very good comp for Deontay Johnson. I would just like to see the progression more. I can't buy into this season saying he's going to be Deontay Johnson. In the future, I would love that. If you could tell me right now Sky Moore is going to be Deontay Johnson without the drops, I would lock that in. But I gotta see if well, kind of,
2: give us some time. The lazy give us some time. Lazy, don't push him okay, all right. The lazy comp has been to compare him to Golden Tate. But I think I think he's got a higher ceiling than that. Golden Tate was a good player, not a great player. Deontay Johnson is one of these guys that's he's always open. Has he been plagued by drops in the past? A little bit. I don't feel like that's a sticky stat. And uh, he's making crazy highlights every Sunday. And uh, I just think that the, the crazy one-handed catches I've seen Sky Moore do some stuff that I think nobody else on the roster is capable of, and I, I would like to see him uh, get his shot sooner than later. But but that's that's my case for Sky Moore Sterling. Are you are you coming on board uh, the kingdom? No. Are you declining? Nope. Oh. Declining. And final
0: final thought uh. process here. Final thought process, Andy Reid's system is a lot more difficult than a lot of other teams. Uh, The receivers are asked to do a lot more. Uh, Blocking, for example, I think that's why we kept seeing players like Demarcus Robinson get playing time. He was a good blocker. That was valued in in an Andy Reid system. It's going to take time for Sky Moore. It's not Ben Roethlisberger or the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger throwing the ball and five-yard checkdowns. This offense is more complex. And that's what's going to take Sky Moore longer to become the best wide receiver in Kansas city.
2: My, my kind of comeback from that would be that 10 years ago, five years ago, I probably would say that's right in terms of playbooks being complex, but the current NFL, the makeup of your receiving core is almost like a basketball team. Nobody expects one guy unless it's someone like Tyree Kill, but even Tyree Kill, he's short, right? Nobody expects one guy to do everything anymore. So if DK Metcalf comes into the Seattle Seahawks, they limit his route tree. Like what is DK Metcalf good at today? Let's slim down his playbook and his route responsibilities and let's use what he does better than anybody else on the team so he can have the impact that we we spent a valuable second round pick on. So th- that's, that's kind of what I'd like to see, you know, some flexibility in terms of playbook and expectations. Now your point on blocking, that is one thing that I don't know if Sky is good at that. I know that MVS is good at that. I know that Juju is, is good at that. Last week on that run, that 52-yard run we talked about that Clyde Edwards-Alaire broke, this didn't get talked about a lot, but you saw both Juju and MVS having very good blocks on that play. And I think one of the reasons the Chiefs are going to have like more long runs is because these guys are extremely physical uh, blockers in the run game, and I think that's why Andy Reid um, brought them in. That's why Andy Reed much to I think Chiefs fans kind of scratch their heads sometimes to see Demarcus Robinson out there, but the guy was a hell of a blocker, right? Sure, he he every time he caught a pass, he ran backwards five yards but the guy could, the guy could block. And that that's, I I think some of the better teams in the NFL, like the Packers and the chiefs uh, put a premium on receivers who can block. So um, you've made a good case. I really wanted to bring you on the kingdom. I think last week you definitely made a mistake, not saying Chris Jones is a top seven player because he went out there and proved that he is. So maybe, maybe for all of our sakes, Sky Moore, can tear up the, the Indianapolis Colts for, like, I, I don't know, 110 in a, in, a, in a tutty? Does that sound good <laughs> to you?
0: Hey, it sounds good to me. I wouldn't say no. All right. Uh, depending well, on who see. you agree with, we're going to have a poll put out. Am I correct here? We're going to do a poll. If you agree with Adam yep. that Sky Moore is going to be the best receiver on the Chiefs by end of season, uh, I am assuming vote yes. If you think that Sky Moore is not going to be – the number one wide receiver in Kansas City. Vote no and agree with me. Again, not saying Scott Moore is not going to be incredible. Not saying he's not going to be even good. I'm not saying he's not going to be great this year. But he's not going to be better than Juju this season. Let's get into the next segment, Analytics Addict, where we talk a little analytics. Adam, what's up? Do
2: the Chiefs have a pace of the problem? So the Chiefs rank 23rd in in plays per minute. They rank 14th in drop packs per game. Now, some of that's game script dependent, right? They're blowing out the Cardinals. But you'd like to see them pick up the tempo. And my kind of thought here is that the more plays, the more dropbacks, the more opportunities the Chiefs have to produce some of that signature Mahomes magic. And I, I think, you know, I, I just would like to see them play a little faster, get, you know, pass a little bit more.
0: I don't have a, a strong feeling yet because that Cardinals game really, skewed really things, was an out. Yeah, skewed things. Yeah, because you're, you're, you're trying to run late. You're trying to run the clock out. You're obviously not passing. You're using all 40 seconds of the play clock. And then against the Chargers, the reason I could say I could get behind it was first half, the Chiefs were passing fairly well. They, I think, if I'm just remembering off the top of my dome, first half, Mahomes was 12 of 14, right around 100 yards, and they were struggling. They kept running the ball in first down or second long, and you're sitting here going, why? You have the best quarterback. You, you have Patrick Mahomes. You have a great offensive mind. Let him cook. I don't want Russ cooking. Russ can't cook. I don't. I don't want that tofu. Get, give me that. We'll filet get to minion. that. We'll get I, to
2: that. Let,
0: let 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 Mahomes give me that medium rare filet mignon. And so I, I'm with you to an extent. I wouldn't mind seeing him hurry up a little bit, but I don't think pace of play was a major issue because that Cardinals game skewed it so much. Now, over the next few games we'll see. If the Chiefs blow out the Colts again and they're having to run late, that number might get skewed even more. It might go down even more. So we'll really see against good uh, good competition, uh, the Bills, for example. Then I think we can really make a good judgment call.
2: It just took me by surprise because you don't really think of the Chiefs' offense as sort of a slow matriculating, if you will, kind of scheme. But uh, I just want to see them pass. You know, pass. You know, pass more that. that third and two designed handoff to McCole Hardman was especially egregious in the first half mm. against the Chargers. I, I don't know what they were thinking. Uh, they were having a lot of success, sort of gashing the Chargers at the middle, but we know the Chargers have some dominant edges. They have Derwin James lurking. I, I didn't really understand that play design, especially in that moment. I, I know Andy Reid likes to throw a lot of stuff out there, especially early in the season. Get it on tape, keep defensives guessing, but I didn't think that was the time for that. I,
0: I, I think sometimes especially incredible offensive minds can get caught overthinking. That third and two, you have Mahomes. Use him. If I have a chance so I can use the best quarterback, the best player in the NFL on a play, I'm gonna use him in a must or you know, a, a must get it situation. I want the ball in Mahomes' hands, not McColl Hardman's. I look around the NFL and all these third and ones, fourth and ones, and I know some folks are getting on me for, for the QB sneak thing. I know you got on me for the QB sneak thing. I pointed this out. Teams try all these trickery when instead, what's it, 80% of the time? More? you You, you pick it up by a QB sneak? Tom Brady's made a career off this? We, we were watching that game on Sunday night, correct? And I tweeted this, or Monday night. Right after I tweeted it, what happened? Tannehill went up for a fourth and one, immediately picked it up on a QB sneak. Immediately. It couldn't have been more better timing. And this is my whole point. Freak injuries happen. Injuries happen. It's the NFL. I don't think it's going to happen to Mahomes again. Sure, I like the least amount of, of potential for injury to him. But what happened there... I just don't think it's going to happen again, especially on a QB sneak. Don't overthink it sometimes. And I do think occasionally guys want to be known as this, this fantastic offensive mind. Don't overthink it. Just get it. That,
2: but that's half of Billy. And we saw his knee dislocate. And I just don't think the chiefs want to live in that world again. And when you have Michael Burton, his success rate on one yard pickups Dude is batting a thousand. Yeah, and then use him. That, that, that's fine too.
0: Just don't overthink it and do some end around with McCall Harbin when you're making it more convoluted than it needs to be.
2: I don't mind the belldozer sneak, but what I never in my life want to see again is the belldozer option. <laughs> I, I, I could live to be 200, and if I didn't see another bell dozer option in a AFC Championship, I would be. I would consider myself blessed.
0: Yeah, and also, good good question from Lucas. How is Mahomes sneaking worse than Mahomes scrambling? Yeah, it's the same same thing. Frankly, you probably have a less chance of injury on a quarterback sneak than a, than a Mahomes scramble. I, I feel like because we saw it one time, it's so ingrained in our minds that it should never happen again. But it was a freak injury. It just happened. You see a car accident, and it's horrible, right? It's horrific. doesn't mean you're not going to drive again doesn't mean you're not getting in a car again. I've been in a car accident before. It sucks, but, you know, I'm still driving. I think it's the same thing with Mahomes, where it's like he got hurt, he got injured, but you're not going to just all of a sudden say, yeah, he's no longer ever doing this. By the way, the next time he does a QB sneak, he's going to go for seven yards because no one's going to be expecting it. You might
2: be right. Let's move on to our next segment, and that's Around the League. Today, we're going to talk about the Broncos train wreck. This is going to be a fun one. Uh, you know, the Colts are bad, and I think the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs are, are pretty sure bet to win this. So let's talk about what's going on in Denver. Um, it's my opinion that, this is my theory, the Broncos hired Nathaniel Hackett to lure Aaron Rodgers, and it didn't work. That was, the whole, that was the whole strategy. They immediately moved on to plan B, the consolation prize of, of Russell Wilson. And I just don't think George Patton and John Elway thought this out clearly because they have Isn't a guy. <laughs> I, th- we'll see about the quarterback. We will see about the quarterback. Russell Wilson has proven a lot more during his career than Nathaniel Hackett has Nathaniel Hackett never called plays in green Bay. The only time he ever did was in Jacksonville in 2018 and he got fired during the season. Uh, and I think he's a guy that was clearly being propped up by Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and Devonte Adams. He doesn't grasp situational football. We've seen this with the, the 64 yard field goal. We've seen this with other decisions on short yardage. Um, <laughs> I, it just looks like a guy who is who is out of his depths, who who isn't cut out to be a head coach in the national football. League.
0: After watching the Broncos offense, though, now I'm starting to think, you know what? Maybe the 64-yard field goal was the right choice because they can't pick up anything. I, I mean, Russell Wilson, if he's not going to run, is he any better than Kirk Cousins? I'd probably say slightly, but... Again, if Russell Wilson is no longer running, which I think he has three carries for five yards this season, it takes away a part of what made him so special. He's no longer extending plays. He's been horrendous in the red zone, which I think we'll see some you know positive regression to the main where the Broncos won't be this bad in the red zone all season long. But Russell Wilson does not look like the same Russell Wilson we saw a couple of seasons ago. When it comes to Nathaniel Hackett, I was wrong. I thought Hackett was going to hack it. He's not. He looks bad. I mean, he looks way over his head. The majority of people who play Madden could manage the game better than him. I thought he was going to bring a new offensive style, a new approach to Denver. But if they're going to keep doing this, you should have just kept Drew Locke and Vic Fangio. There'd be no different, and you're saving money. You have Russell Wilson until he's forty. The whole situation in Denver is bleak. Uh, maybe they turn it around. Maybe we're being overdramatic because it's two games. But this is all we have to go off of is two games. In these two games, Denver looks horrendous.
2: And Tom Hood agrees, hack it, can't hack it. I, with Russell Wilson, I think why people in Denver have to be sounding alarm bells is because if you think about the financial commitment, I think it's the third most guaranteed money in NFL history. And then you also think about two first rounders, two second rounders. They sent out Noah Fan. I think they sent out other stuff too, huge draft capital. So if he they're counting on Russell Wilson to be so transformative for their program that he can make up for the surrendered draft capital, he does not look like that guy. And and I think you nailed it when you said that the essence of what made Russell Wilson successful was that kind of scrambling, buying himself time to take those deep shots that, I mean, he used to drop those moon balls into Tyler Lockett and, and Doug Baldwin. Nobody was better at, at, at passing, you know, passing out of structure and throwing those long balls. But if he's not going to scramble anymore, and if he's lost some of his athleticism, he's bad on third down. he, He is short. He does not see the middle of the field well. It's just a fact. If you look at him statistically and you just observe, did you see that play where Javante Williams was in the middle of the end zone, just camping out wide open and, Mm. and Russ just could not, he could not see him. So uh, I I think Russ is a problem. And I think Hackett is a problem. Fun fact for Chiefs fans. uh, Nathaniel Hackett is actually the son of Paul Hackett, who. Some of either you history aficionados or older Chiefs fans will remember uh, his dad, um, Paul Hackett, was the Chiefs O.C. in the mid 90s um, on some of those kind of defensive oriented teams. So is this is he part of the good old boys club? Is was this a legacy hire? Was this a hire to, to try to bait Aaron Rodgers into coming? I, like, What are they doing?
0: I I do think the, the Aaron Rodgers bait could have been part of it, but I do think when he was hired again, I I thought he was going to bring something to the Broncos that we've not seen, uh, at least in the the past, what seven seasons from Denver. So I, I I was on board with Hackett, but I want to admit when you're wrong, if I'm going to pound my chest and I'm right, I'm going to pound it when it's wrong too. I was wrong about Hackett.
2: Let's move on. One of our, uh, Favorite and most fun segments, Spot the Fake. So Spot the Fake is me and Sterling. Oh, I love the new graphic. Having a little bit of fun with um, Sterling. I called him last week a Marvel, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and Game of Thrones version. And and I'm, of course, a huge nerd who is really into this stuff and doesn't have much of a life. So what I'm going to do here, is I'm going to list off four things. Three of them are true, and one of them is a fake. And this week's Spot the Fake is, which of the following did not happen in the Lord of the Rings movie franchise? Smeagol talked to himself in a lake. Gandalf fell into a pit after fighting a Balrog. <laughs> what? Samwise juggled flaming turnips while singing, and then the last one: two hobbits got a piggyback ride from a tree. Which one is it, Sterling? Dog. I don't even
0: know these names. This is absurd. Why is no one named like Mike? Can there be a Todd somewhere in here? Why is it got to? Why is it got to be a? You don't know Gandalf. I, I know. Is it? Is he the guy in Super Smash Bros? Gandorf? No, that's Gandorf. I think I don't no, know. Man. No,
2: no. You shall not pass. You know that 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 the meme, dude. No,
0: no. D- I, I, sorry, pal. I, I'm not the into stream, this stuff. The
2: stream, the stream knows Gandorf.
0: Okay, so Smiegel, I know is like a real person, right? Smeagol's like a real dude. Uh, I I think that's true. <sighs> Samwise, I've never heard of a Samwise. Flaming turnips seems very sketch. To be frankly with you, the, the the turnip part. I'm using my deductive reasoning here. You basically said Gandalf's a real dude. Uh, two hobbits. That seems very hobbit-like. Doing some piggyback ride shit. That feels very hobbity. Feels like something a hobbit would do. I'm gonna go with uh, go with three. This Samwise dude jungle, juggling flaming turnips.
2: Yes. Two, two weeks in a row. You got it, man. You're you're really kind of earning your your nerd cred there. So. Well done once again. It's I ACT test, harder. baby. It's ACT know, testing, it was, baby. You're, you're you got to find the table. outlier. I'm going to have to design a, a tougher test next week because you're acing these so far. All right, guys. <laughs> uh, time for our parting shot. And I have a quote here from T.S. Elliott. If you aren't in over your head, how do you know how tall you are? And now that we've seen Rashad Fenton thrown into the deep waters and getting let's let's be honest, he got owned by contested catch god Mike Williams. In in my estimation, we now know he's merely an average corner. Sterling, anything to add on on Rashad Fenton?
0: If you thought he was more than an average corner, that's on you. He's a six-round cornerback who's developed into a fine play. A solid rotational piece, but if you're counting on him to be J.C. Jackson, that's on you. He's fine. And that's what he is. That's what he's supposed to be. Trim McDuffie is brought in to be the CB1. Legereus Sneed is is CB2 and a very, very good one at that. Rasha Fenton, CB3 at best. That's all you need from him. That's what he's supposed to do. Yeah, he got mossed a lot. But Mike Williams looked like the reincarnation of Calvin Johnson. We saw Shavarius Ward, who I think is a phenomenal cornerback, right? I think Shavarius Ward is one of the most underrated corners that we've seen. And he got mossed by Jamar Chase. You'll have games where you get torched. Jalen Ramsey, who a lot of folks will say is the best corner in the NFL, looked horrible week one. It happens, man. It happens. Rashad Fenton's none of those guys, but Rashad Fenton is a fine corner. He's a depth piece. He is who he is, and he's a valuable player on the Chiefs' defense. CB4.
2: But, you know, six-round pick, if he's contributing at all, that's still playing with house money. Yep. All right, guys. For Adam and my guy Sterling, this has been Arrowhead Addict Wednesdays. We will see you next week.